Aloha, Howlers. Okay. A <laughs> <laughs> couple quick warnings for you here today before we get started. The first warning is this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. The second warning. This podcast also contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising universe. If you have not read the books, you may want to consider reading them first before you listen to this podcast. Don't consider it. Like, definitely read the books. <laughs> also, why are you still here if you haven't read all the books? We're going to ruin it for you again. Don't forget to follow us. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod at gmail.com. That's H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D everywhere and rate and review five stars only otherwise i will shoot you with a pulse fist <laughs> until your suit overloads and you melt dang and now how the pod forget a man's name and he'll forgive you remember it and he'll defend you forever Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Yeah. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I'm joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. We have come to talk to you about Morningstar. Chapters <laughs> 8 through 12. Boom. That's uh, the third book in the Red Rising series written by <laughs> Pierce Brown. That's what this podcast is about. Yeah. All, all right. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about what happened in these chapters. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Or, like, get anorexic or paralyzed. Yeah. Those, those are things. also things that happen. Chain to a bed. You know, we don't know what could happen. Right. All right, I'm going to take the first chapter, chapter eight, home. Daryl wakes up in a med bay to the sound of Uncle Nerl's voice. He opens his eyes to find Uncle Nerl alive and sitting across the room. Sneaky bastard. Beside him sits Daryl's mother. Daryl shares an emotional moment with his family and they tell him he is in Tenos, the city of Ares. Also known as Tenos. Is that how they say it in the thing? In the audiobook. I say everything wrong, I feel like. <laughs> Tenos. <laughs> Uncle Nerol fights for the sons now. He led the drill team that punched the hole up into Attica and allowed Darrow to escape. Dancer joins them next, and Darrow asks him, What happened, man? How did I give myself away to the jackal? Uh, Dancer tells Darrow it was Harmony who revealed his identity. Boo. When Darrow showed up in Attica, he confirmed Harmony's claims. Dancer then reveals that until five days ago, they thought Darrow was dead. The Jackal had publicly executed a man that looked just like Darrow, probably like carved or... Res flesh. Yeah, he's got some res flesh on his face. You know how it is. He goes on to explain that Severo never stopped looking for Darrow. And with Theodore's help, they were able to rescue him. Dancer then starts to debrief Darrow about the status of the war, but Darrow tells him to stop. He tells Dancer he will join the war tomorrow, but right now, he will spend this night with his family. 
They have been through so much, and he owes them that much. Uncle Nero and Darrow's mother take him back to the residence where he is reunited with his brother, Kieran, Dio, and the rest of the family. They spend the rest of the night together as Darrow, Uncle Nero, and Kieran talk late into the night. Uh-huh. Row down. Chapter 9, The City of Ares. The next morning, Severo and Ragnar come to visit Darrow. Darrow's nieces and nephews swarm Ragnar, asking him for presents, because clearly he has brought them presents, which is so adorable. <laughs> Severo is now sporting a set of red eyes, which turn out to be Darrow's old eyes. So weird. So creepy. <laughs> Uh, Severo and Ragnar take Darrow to the hangar where Pebble and Clown are exiting a shuttle. And uh, we find out that they didn't even bat an eyelash when Severo told them that Darrow was a red. So they're team ride or die Darrow. Pretty the cool. Hangar, pretty cool, guys. And I'm really liking Clown a lot more yeah. this reread. <laughs> Not that I didn't like him, but um, the hangar is in a stalactite. And below it sprawls the refugee camp of 465,000 reds from purged mines. And it is a dismal place. There's been crime and riots, and there's not enough food to feed everyone, so they're eating the rats. And it's just very disheartening. That takes us to Chapter 10, The War. So Darrow joins the Sun's leadership in the command room, and they catch him up on everything that has happened over the last year. The society is at war, and it's not only the suns warring against the golds, but there is a war among gold itself. Mustang and the Telemonuses attempted to rally the ships of the golds murdered in the gardens, and she was joined by the remaining Arcos forces. But Roke's fleet crushed them and sent them fleeing. Most importantly, though, Darrow learns that Mustang is alive. She's alive? So Mustang's alive? What's up? Huh? Hey, what? wait, where's Mustang? Did someone say Mustang? <laughs> they go on to tell him that two of the golds killed in the garden were Revis Ara and his nine-year-old granddaughter. Revis was the arch-governor of Io. Due to his murder, the remaining Ra's quickly declared for Io's independence for the moons of Jupiter and a new alliance with Mustang and the heirs of Arcos, as well as a war with the Sovereign. We've officially got a second moon rebellion, people! The moon lords were also joined by the lords of Uranus, Saturn, and Neptune in their rebellion. But the moon lords are in trouble already. They were caught off guard by Roke and the Sword Armada. While the moon lords were still preparing for war, Roke pounced on them and stole the moonbreaker ship Nero had attempted to steal a year earlier. He renamed it Colossus and has already started taking moons around Jupiter. Only Io and Ganymede remain, and if they fall, then the Sovereign's split attention will be focused solely back on the suns. Their war isn't going much better at the moment. The Reds are guerrilla fighters, not warriors. The suns do not have the supplies or the firepower to compete with the golds. Portions of the planet are in open rebellion and a faction called the Red Legion have risen in the north and are massacring every high color they find. Darrow then asked them what could have sparked this open rebellion. The Jackal wouldn't have publicized the killing of Fitchner. Severo then tells Darrow that he released the recording of Darrow's carving to the entire society. Darrow's the one who started the war. 
and is the Messiah. Yeah, he's the red Messiah. Chapter 11, my people. Darrow stormed out of the room without a word because he's mad that they released his carving. And he's now sitting with Ragnar on the edge of the hangar, watching the refugee city below. They have a heart-to-heart, and Daryl confesses that he cannot feel Eo anymore, and that he feels lost, and he doesn't think that he's what the people need. Ragnar then takes Darrow to the hospital to chat with those wounded in Darrow's escape from the jackal. Ragnar rolls Darrow's wheelchair up to a red who lost his legs. They chat and talk about how painful Darrow's carving was, and they joke. And then the other wounded sit up in their beds to listen. Holiday is there, and she gives Darrow a nod. Vano asks, Vano is the red without the legs. Vano asks Darrow about his prick, and he tells Vano (laughs) to ask his mother about it. And then that kind of breaks the the stale... uh, Silence in the room. Everyone laughs and spreads the joke around. And it kind of starts to give Darrow uh, some more comfort around these reds. And he starts to feel whole again. Darrow then moves down the line and learns the reds' names, asking where they're from. And he's speaking with them and healing his own spirit at the same time. So afterwards, Darrow and Ragnar return to the command room where Severo, Dancer, and Theodora are working, Darrow has three requests. One, send an emissary to Mustang. What, wait, Mustang? <laughs> Gotta get Mustang back <laughs> in the fold immediately. Um, so send an emissary to Mustang just so she knows he's, that he's alive and then possibly she'll help them. Two, to bring Mickey back to Tinos to make Darrow back into a fighting man-killing machine. And three is a cliffhanger, and Darrow says, I have a feeling you're not going to like this one. <laughs> Chapter 12, the Julii. That's our third request. Yes. Darrow finds Victra in an isolated room, paralyzed from the waist down and cuffed to her bed. Darrow tells her he owes her an explanation, but in typical Victra fashion, she brushes, brushes him off and asks if they can just skip the messy emotional stuff already and uh move on she goes on to tell darrow that she thinks it was his right as a red to fight back if he wants and just because he did it well that doesn't mean uh she should be upset with him about it she tells him that she knows why he lied to her but she wants to know is why he saved her darrow tells her it's because she is his friend victra she doesn't believe that she tells him she still would have protected him even if she knew he was a red and then asks why he didn't tell her And she's also like, I know you told Mustang. (laughs) And he's like, yeah. (laughs) Darrow admits he was afraid and that he never trusted her and what a mistake that was. He said the guilt haunted him during his time in the box. Darrow asks her to join the sons and Victra refuses him again. Darrow goes on to tell her he will give her whatever she wants. She can leave, stay, whatever. Victra tells him she wants revenge on the people that did this to her. Darrow knows it is a hollow end but tells her Mickey will be back in Tinos in three days and he will carve them back, both back to health. And then she is free to leave and pursue her revenge. He then releases her from her cuffs while acknowledging his mistakes with his other friends, telling Victra that he doesn't want to make the same mistakes with her. She has showed him more loyalty than anyone. He believes in her. He asks her to be his family once again, sticking his hand out to her. Victra 
freed of momentarily kind of freed of her anger, she grasps his hand and Daryl welcomes her to the suns. Yay. For her initiation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love their howler initiation. All right. That's it. That is what happened in chapters eight through twelve. Now we need to talk about the theme for these chapters. The theme is the ketchup. Not like what you put on your fries. <laughs> Not Heinz ketchup. But like catch you up. Yes, we're catching Darrow up basically. He's kind of a lot of this is uh, these chapters is kind of an info dump on where where everything's at. Yeah, it's kind of they're, a lot of setup. Catching the reader up as well. Right. By they I mean. Pierce Brown. Pierce, yes. <laughs> this is the part of the movie where they're all sitting in a meeting room and it's like a lot of info dump. Like, we got to do this, this, and this. And, the next and then you're like, and this and is half. the plan. Yeah, exactly. Show and your biceps. <laughs> and then everybody's like. Sorry, I was thinking of Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> With the airplane or the helicopter and he's just flexing. <laughs> yes. I dream about that. Uh, yeah, this is the part of the movie where they're like, this is what happened. This is what we need to do. And everybody's like making quips and we're getting a little emotional, but yeah. Okay. So the first part of this catch up is Daryl with his family. Yes. So we learn, first of all, that Uncle Narrell is alive. Because he he got chewed on by death. Yes. But death spit him out, (laughs) which I want to know exactly what that means. (laughs) He was actually the first person that, you know, Daryl heard when he woke up in the hospital or in the med bay. He's reading some pixie bullshit poem book. Yeah, he says, It was Uncle Narrow I heard in the dream after all, but he's not in the veil. He's alive. He sits at my bedside, squinting down at one of Mickey's old books. And then it goes on to say, Beside him sits my mother, a bent, fragile woman since her stroke. How many times did I imagine the jackal standing over her, pliers in hand? She's been safe the whole time. Imagine what kind of relief that would be for Darrow at that moment. Her broken body is not what she is on the inside. There she stands, tall as any gold, broad as any obsidian. I think that's such a cool line. I love that part. Mm-hmm. Even as a broken woman, she's so proud and strong. And I love how Darrow goes on to say like he got all his strength from her. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. She's not like he he says like I always liked my father more, but she's the reason I survived. Any of this, especially like the Institute. Right. So, yeah, he he meets up with his family. Um, It's also sweet because he like mistakes Dio for Eo for a moment. And um, they're kind of like, is he insane? But Mm -hmm. then he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Dio, you look so much (laughs) like her. And she's like so sweet. So it's nice to kind of reacquaint ourselves with the whole family as well. Right. And And this new family because we hadn't met their kids or anything yeah we didn't have a lot of uh, character development with them and then also like just i like the fact that darrow decides like i'm gonna have this one night for my family right and he's saying like dancer i'm alive i say thinking all of the questions i want to ask about the war my friends how i was undone about mustang but that can wait do you even know how lucky i am to be able to see you all again in this world I haven't seen my brother or my sister in years. So tomorrow I'll listen to your debriefing. Tomorrow the war can have me again. But tonight I belong to my family. I was just thinking it's also um, back to Deanna. He says something like leave it to like my mom to be the one not with dry eyes when both of the men are like (laughs) breaking down. Yeah, you got to like 
we got to think about Daryl being in that box for nine months and the whole time, like his family thinks he's dead exactly. for most of it. And then he's been told that his family's alive by Severo uh, over the data pad. He didn't say Uncle Nero though. Right. And that, but yeah, I can imagine them actually seeing them thinking that they were dead for so long. It's just got to be crazy emotional moment for him. Not dead, but like tortured and right. Yeah. So after Daryl's kind of caught up with his family, the next thing he catches up on is the situation in Tinos. The refugee camp of half a million Reds who are not doing too well. 465,000, according to the logs. Only half a million? (laughs) (laughs) That's the quote. (laughs) So um, Darrow's like looking down, seeing this city, and it's disheartening because not only can you see that it's you know crowded people are sleeping on like roofs and there's no space and there's crime he's also feeling the weight of taking care of all those people and they're he's not seeing them as people at this point he's seeing them as like this mass thing that they're all like putting their hope in him right and he He's feeling very insecure. Like, he can't even walk at this point. Yeah, he can't even, like, be this guy anymore. Right. This is when he's on the tour of the city, basically. They've got his sling blade up on the ceiling, you know? And it's just, like, he doesn't even have an idea of, like, why they revere him yet so much. Because that's coming down the line when Severo tells him that he released released the carving. Mm -hmm. But even then, it's like, he's already feeling the pressure. And then that just gets added to. Yeah, and he's like, I'm not the person that I was like, I'm mm-hmm. not who you want me to be, but we learn that he becomes even more than he was. <laughs> and the situation in Tinos is pretty tough. Like yeah. they're having a hard time managing it. Obviously like Severo is uh, a great warrior, but maybe not the best leader or caregiver. Yeah. He doesn't even shower frequently. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, he's struggling with that aspect. He didn't sign up for that. That's not what Severo's deal is. You know, he's a fighter. He's not someone who's going to be able to play like a political game and, and be able to manage a large group of people. Even though his dad left him with this, great infrastructure with being under a lake and having power like electricity not like power power right (laughs) but he even with fitchner he didn't have this many people because the jackal wasn't there um clearing out all the mines so several has even an even bigger burden than aries had ever planned for and a lot of that stuff got like wiped out when you know the jackal find found out about fitchner and stuff so a lot of like the infrastructure and supplies and money communication power. network that yep. type of stuff a lot of that got ruined in the you know in the days after the the triumph and so just to talking about tinos uh darrow asks how do you feed everyone and severo says we don't i mean we try but there haven't been rats in tinos for a month people are sleeping toe to nose we've started moving re- refugees into the stalactites but disease is already ripping through the people. We don't have enough meds, and I can't risk my sons getting sick. Without them, we don't have teeth. We're just a sick cow waiting to be slaughtered. And then also they're talking about like how weird it gets. Like uh, rape and murder. Yeah. And then uh, one of the things that Ragnar says, we keep the lights bright even at night. Uh, Severo says, yeah, turn them off. It gets a little otherworldly downstairs. 
Yeah. I love that description. It's like otherworldly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they describe how like the fucking gammas who we still hate. <laughs> why are we even taking care of them? <laughs> but the gammas they're like, people too. Gammas are people too. Yeah, but they're dicks about I don't know why I'm defending gammas. Fuck gamma. Yeah. But they like <laughs> carve up this little fourteen year old saying he's a goldist or whatever. Right. Yeah. It gets gets weird. It's a little weird. And yeah, I mean that's that's what happens when, you know, it's people are fighting for their lives and starving. Yeah, exactly. It, it's gonna get weird. It's gonna get a little otherworldly. It's getting weird. <laughs> so besides Tinos, mm-hmm. we move on to Darrow being caught up on what he's missed with the war and just really like everything that's yeah, going on Yeah, this is outside. a lot like a big info dump. Yeah, and it's like the tapes that Darrow. Uh, you know, when he learned when he was getting carved while he sli- slept right. and he'd wake up knowing like all the yeah. Greek odysseys, <laughs> yeah. like the shit that I want to do. <laughs> this is like that kind of info. Jump. For sure. And I think like this is why a reread is so helpful because a lot of this, the first time I read it, I'm just like flying by a lot of the stuff. Like these names are going by the mm-hmm. Moon Lord Rebellion and all that stuff. I mean, I get the basic ideas. But you, you but don't like, know that they're important. Yeah, you're, and you're not making connections with those characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like the Raws are really cool characters and we get to know them uh, in these tall books. and have long necks. Right, and like those bug eyes yeah. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're only going to be more prominent. Like they were big and iron gold and they're going to be bigger for the rest of the books it seems like and so like we're meeting all of them or while getting our first impressions of them on these pages right here and i think like i was so excited to start this book and just i was like reading past a lot of that stuff and not Mm -hmm. really letting it sink in and so doing these rereads like you can really like a lot of that stuff lines up a lot more you know yeah so tell us what happened while darrow was in his little box Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the first thing was, like, they tell him about a purge. So the Jackal had basically set up a joint operation with the Sovereign to f- not only kill Darrow, but, like, a Everybody. bunch of people. Yeah. Everybody. A bunch of her uh, enemies. So She is vindictive. She is. Let me tell you. The purge instituted by the Jackal and Sovereign was an impressive operation that spanned not just the 30 assassinations of the Garden, but over 300 other assassinations across the solar system. That's going to piss some people off. <laughs> but yeah. one grand make mistake was made. In the Garden, they killed Rivas, Ara, and his nine-year-old granddaughter. Which is not nice. Yeah. And then it goes on to say the the Raws declared Io's independence for the moons of Jupiter, their new alliance with Virginia Augustus and the heirs and the heirs of Arcos, and their war on the sovereign. A second moon rebellion, sixty years after the burning of Rhea. Damn, mm-hmm. and both of those were Octavia. She's been on the throne for way too long. Right, and then this also kind of gets into some setup of like their war right now, because the Rim, pretty far away, obviously from. The, the from core. Luna from the core, and uh, if they're able to like sink in and you know get set up, they're going to be really hard to beat. Basically, Sovereign knew that, and so she had the whole Sword Armada deployed straight away to Jupiter orbit, and they've been there for nearly ten months. Also, like Severo says, Roke did a nasty. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Snuck ahead of the main fleet and jacked that moonbreaker 
old Nero uh, tried to steal last year, and that's, of course, Roke's ship Colossus that we see. Yes. Yeah. In the future. Mm-hmm. Also, we should point out that Mustang is the one who freed all the children who were wards of Octavia, and that's, like, why they're now on her side is, like, even though uh, Revis's granddaughter was killed, there could have been even more killing of yeah, children. Yeah, she had, like, other hostages. It's like a Game yeah. of Thrones situation. Yes. Where they're, like, keeping children to keep people in line. Exactly. And they were able to get them, you know, out of there. And so then that allows them to start this war, basically. Mm-hmm. And then also I just want to go back to Rogue really quick because Severo has an amazing quote about him. Darrow's saying Octavia wouldn't have used the Ash Lord if he even went past the asteroid belt. There would be no reconciliation. The Rem would never surrender. So who leads them? Aja? And Severo says, Roke are butt-sucking Fabii. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's his name. <laughs> and then Ragnar says they call him the poet of Demos. He is undefeated in battle. Even against Mustang and her titans, he is very dangerous. Thanks, Ragnar. Thanks, Ragnar. Nice teeth. <laughs> nice teeth. <laughs> <laughs> teeth are looking shiny. I really um, need to use butt sucking as a insult more often, I feel like. Do you? You're in your thirties. I don't know. I don't, maybe when Severo says it, it's okay, but maybe in real life don't say that. Butt sucker? It's kinda mm. funny. Yeah. Make sure everyone's drunk when you say it. You're not in on that one? No. <laughs> well, you're a butt sucker. Okay. See? You're the only one laughing. So we also go on to No, there's learn. other people listening right now that are laughing, for we, sure. We don't know other people there's are like listening. There's like three other people laughing, for nice. sure. So we also go on to learn more about Roke. Mm-hmm. It says, last week, Roke took Callisto. Only Ganymede and Io hold strong. If the Moon Lords capitulate, then that navy and the legions with it return here to aid the Jackal against us. We will be the sole focus of the united military might of the society, and they will eradicate us. Oof. That's heavy. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the big problem here is like once the Sons of Ares don't have the benefit of the split war anymore. Of civil war. Yeah, they're going to be in deep, deep shit. They're just, they're going to die. I mean, right. once, yeah, once they're not distracted, they can put all their forces into just finding Darrow and Severo and killing everyone in power. For sure. So. And that go that takes us into the status of like the Sons of Ares war basically. So Darrow says, "So what about Mars? What about our war? Hell, what is our war?" And Severo responds, "It's a bloody damn mess is what it is. It spilled over into open war about 8 months ago. The Sons have stayed tight. Don't know where Orion is. Dead we reckon. The packs in your ships are gone." And they go on to talk about just how much trouble they are basically having fighting fighting these golds. Mm-hmm. And they said, these reds are not warriors. They can fly ships, shoot guns, lay bombs, fight greys. But when a gold arrives, they melt away. The sons of Ares are guerrilla fighters, saboteurs, spies. But in this war, Lauren's words haunt me. How do sheep kill a lion? By drowning him in blood. Ooh. <laughs> Basically, a lot more people are going to need to right. die. And that's kind of the way that the... And then we learn about this second group that's risen. There's, so that we've got the Sons of Ares fighting on Mars, but there's another 
uh, group rebelling as well, and that's the Red Legion. And they're kind of yes. taking this drowning golds and blood thing. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Both ways, because they're trying to kill everyone, and they don't mind if they're dying in the process either. And also, they said, like, the... They're in the north, so I think of them as the White Walkers. I, every time they kept saying that, yeah, I was like, in the north. I was like, thinking, the king of the north! <laughs> yeah. The king in the north! <laughs> so they say, in the north, like Severo said, it's open rebellion. A faction called Red Legion is massacring every high color they find. Old fr- An old friend of ours has joined their leadership. Guess who? Bitch. Fucking Harmony. Dude, she's... At this point, I think I hate her more than Antonia. <laughs> yeah. Which is a big I leap. mean, she's earned it. She certainly earned it. She betrayed Darrow. She's, she's like She's like actually fucking shit up. Like Antonia is horrible and betrayed her mom and is sucks. chlamydia. I mean, she is chlamydia. <laughs> like I don't like like her at all. I'm just saying like she she hasn't even done as much damage as Harmony. Harmony's right. like, definitely done more damage at this point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not even close. Yeah. And then she's still alive in Iron Gold, so it's just like, when are we ever going to kill that bitch? Harmony is? Damn, I forgot that. Yeah, she shows up, like, right there at the beginning. Yeah. No way, Harmony. Nobody likes you. (laughs) Right. And so Daryl's like, what sparked this open war? Like, the Jackal wouldn't have publicized, you know, Fitchner's, like, his killing that way or anything like that. They wouldn't have given any of this away. Right. And so he's like, what did you do? And Severus says, what I had to. And then he tells him at that point that he released the carving, and this really upsets Daryl, like, be a tough thing to deal with. Now he's, like, super overwhelmed. Right. Yes, because he's already, like we had talked about last week, mentally and physically in a really bad place. Yeah. Yeah. Dark. I mean, and he's just weak mentally and, and physically. And this is like his secret. Mm-hmm. So he f- he feels like, you know, powerless because they, they gave it away, basically. You can understand like why Severo did it, especially within the context that they thought like there's a pretty I good chance that, that he was dead. Yeah. So, uh, but also it's a tough thing for to not be able to control that yourself and have mm-hmm. to not be able to like control the narrative on that or it's very personal exactly so he says they all know i was once a red they know one of their own conquered mars and iron rain i love that line though <laughs> i started the war is what darrow says so so now he understands why tinos has like sling blades all over it right and how they all kind of stare at him in deference and like he's like a super celebrity yeah <laughs> he's yeah, walking God, basically, to all of them, just like uh-huh. Severo predicted. He's And they're all like, I want to be carved into the most powerful person. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, so that is this week's theme. We kind of just, it was a lot of information, a lot of, like, setting up what we need to do next and yes. getting Darrow caught back up. The catch-up. Right. And, and so fries. N- now we're on our way, like, Darrow's about to get carved, and we're going to start getting a plan Pre-carved. together. Yes. I will pump you up. Yep. So that's this week's theme, and that takes us to the Prime 5, which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. So, first Prime 5, we're going to talk about Severo and the new Severo as Ares. In these chapters, we learn how Severo has 
kept the howlers alive and together. Severo saved Darrow's family. He's saving all these reds from the mines. And like, even though not everything's going well, like he's really holding it all together mm-hmm. as best he can with like, you know, he's been in a tough situation. Like, yeah, he's lots th- of stress thru- thrust into this leadership role that, you know, he's like we said, he's not really created for this. Right. And he like just learned his dad was Aries right before Fitchner died. So they didn't even have time to go over <coughs> all this stuff. Yeah. Not only does he lose Darrow, but he also is dealing with the loss of his father. Right. And, and just but like he still keeps the rebellion going, which and, is impressive. Yeah. Right. And trying to fill both their shoes, really. And then a uh, more anecdotal moment is when we find out that Severo has Darrow's eyes. Mm-hmm. Daryl's like, bloody damn, did you get carved by the best in the business? Do you like them? They're bloody damn marvelous. Fit you like a glove. He punches his hands together. Glad you said that, because they're yours. (laughs) (laughs) What a weirdo. Yeah, what a weirdo. And then later he's like, do you want the eyes back? He's suddenly worried. I can give them back. He's and then Darrow says, "No, it's just I forgot how crazy you are." <laughs> so Darrow's still the little shit eater that we love. Sorry, Severo is still the little shit eater that we love. Mm-hmm. I was wondering though, and I assume that he can still see fine. But when Darrow is originally carved, he when he gets the new eyes, he talks about how he feels like he's been living like under right. a veil, like all of a sudden. He can see new colors. He can see farther. Like, you know, he's yeah. overwhelmed by how good his gold eyes are. And that's when he's even like, if this is how inferior reds are, how will we ever defeat gold? Right. That was part of it. So now I'm like, does Severo have bad eyesight now? <laughs> yeah. Does he need glasses? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I wonder if they like. I'm sure Mickey souped him. Up. Yeah. Souped him up a little bit. It's a good question. Made him better. It is interesting. Yeah. Interesting so, yeah. Anything about. Prime Five, the new Severo in his new role, and um, also Red Eyes. Right. <laughs> okay, that takes us to the next one, which is there's some little, a little bit of Iron Gold flash uh, foreshadowing, and this was being talked about by Kieran and Darrow, and he's kind of like Kieran's asking about, you know, like Aries is great, but I'm just not sure he knows what to do next. And Darrow's thinking to himself, like, he's talked to Mustang about this, like, what kind of world are they building? What comes after the revolution? And those are the exact questions that Pierce was talking about when he's, like, talking about what Iron Gold is about. Right. It's 10 years down the line, and we're seeing this fallout from this world that Darrow created. So I feel like I want to know right now, like, when he's writing this on page 63 of this book, like, does he already have... Yes. putting together ideas for Iron Gold <laughs> at this point? It seems like it. I think he knows a lot more than he's letting on. Oh, for sure. I'm, I bet. I think that we we don't even <clears throat> know what's in store. But it's just kind of an interesting thing. And that was brought up like a little bit in Golden Sun, but it's more of a theme in Morningstar that we see like kind of one of those things that people continually ask Darrow throughout this book is like, what kind of world are you creating or where does this go once it's over? And he's like, I don't know, man, I'm all momentum. Right. I'm just going to keep killing shit. <laughs> right. He's like, basically, yeah, we'll get it there. Mustang will figure it out when we get that, there. That, that's why we need Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> I would do the same thing. I was like, 
I think I, I'm just going to put Mustang in charge yeah. of this. Let her figure like, it out. She's, <laughs> she's good. She's super fucking she'll, smart. She'll so. figure it out. <laughs> so, yeah, that takes us to another one, which is, we kind of mentioned earlier, the red Vano without the yes. legs. Asking Daryl about his dick. We, uh, we want to know everyone's opinion on this. So Darrow, like, pones <laughs> him with a joke about his mom, but also evades the question. Yeah. And Ben's opinion is that he was carved in every way. Yes. Including his dick. <laughs> My opinion is the same because Mustang would not stick around <laughs> if he still had a red penis. In my opinion. As a, as a lady. As a woman. <laughs> Mustang would have been like, oh, that's why we haven't slept together yet. Took a few years. That's funny. So yeah, let's if you if you have an opinion on this, let us know. Send us an email. I mean, no way. And we the argument that we do not agree on is if his spermies are red or gold, and I think they're red. <laughs> <laughs> they would have to be gold to make a gold kid. That's all I'm saying. But he's like small. I don't think that he's small. Pax? Well, <laughs> well Pax, because Victor's kid's like much bigger, and and she's like. What a third red? What's several half? Yeah, math. Yeah, I'm not sure how she would be a quarter. <laughs> a quarter red. Yeah, I'm like a quarter Scottish or something. <laughs> Who knows? So, gold penis. Yes, guys, please, please write in, call in, do whatever you got to do. Don't we, call me. We need to know your no, opinions on penis gate. At the same time, <laughs> it's also like cool to see darrow kind of take back on his red lingo and like shoot the shit with these reds like mm -hmm. what's what boy dude that was great when you he know, like was, slipped into the minor talk it was it was cool to yeah to see him kind of relax back into that like banter with these he when he's when the vano's like you know, making a jacking off gesture like <laughs> yeah. hell divers always look themselves in the eye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's pretty cool of Vano who's like, you know, talking to like basically their god. Yeah. He's pretty And he he's just like Ponadero. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a fun moment. <laughs> okay, that takes us to the next item on the Prime Five list, and that's Moon Lords. Moon Lords. We've got Moon Lords involved, everybody. Ben loves the Moon Lords. I think they're freaking extremely interesting. Yeah, I mean, I especially love them after Iron Iron Gold when you find out how they execute oh, people. I feel like That's those fucking, were that is rough. That right. is like intense. The Moon Lord chapters, I think, were my favorite chapters in Iron Iron Gold. Yeah, and this is dope. right right where they're getting introduced. That is one thing that I plan to be very focused on in this reread. Is I want to like really soak up all the stuff on the moon lawrence because i feel like i haven't done that as well as i wanted to in my previous rereads well we yeah we weren't really thinking how important they were going to become right at this point you don't really know and it seems like they're going to be really important for the story moving on mm -hmm. and like in dark age yeah and i feel like some of the best moments in iron gold were with the raws really so yeah uh, they have a cool culture yeah i like it but yeah, I just wanted to, and I kind I kind of said some of this stuff earlier, but 
It's just like it's interesting when you're reading this book the first time, you're kind of just sweeping past a lot of stuff because you're getting introduced to new characters, but you just right. want to know what's going on with Darrow you're and like, Severo. Oh, Regulus, Ragnar. Uh, Ra died. Yeah. You're like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> but now you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Raz. Exactly. And it can have more of an impact the more you reread it. So let's just pay attention to that on this reread Everybody. and see where it goes. Because you're all definitely rereading. Yeah. Of course they are. All right. And final prime five we would say is we're kind of getting even deeper with victra yeah and we're seeing victra's uh depth in her character she like how she doesn't care that darrow is a red she says why would i care what you were i care about what people do i care about truth if you had told me i wouldn't have done a single thing differently i would have protected you so here you're like oh Victra is actually, like, even cooler than Mustang, which right. pains me because you know how much I love Mustang. <laughs> but Victra has had even more hardship. She doesn't have her family anymore. Right. Um, and she's always seen as this, like, conniving bitch who, like, is cold. Everybody's and suspicious of her all the all time. All suspicious. Yeah. But then Victra's like, I would have been, like, cool – like, I care more about the fact that you, like, have my back. Yeah. And Victor clearly, like, loves Darrow. She, besides, like, flirting with him, she's also, like, after the triumph, she, like, while she's dying, she thinks she's dying, all she wants is for Darrow to know that it wasn't her, that she didn't betray him. Because right. she, she cares so much about how Darrow sees her. Yeah. And she really, I think, comes into her own as a character in Morningstar. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some good characterization of her in Golden Sun. Obviously, that's the book that we meet her. And throughout that book, you get to go a few layers with her. But Morningstar is really kind of where you see it peeled back more. She becomes more of a main player. I love her logic for why it's okay that Daryl was a red. She's basically just like, well, I mean, we shit on, like, gold shit on you guys all the time. And we pretend you don't exist. Yeah. Why Why would we be mad if you start fighting back? That's your right. And it's uh -huh. like, just because you did it well or did a good job, we shouldn't be mad about it. That's like, that's a great way to think about it. Right. <laughs> and um, it's interesting, too, because her family is so powerful. And we learn in later chapters, like, how Julia Industries, like, owns you know everyone basically yeah they're like really responsible for a lot of shipping and stuff i guess yeah and they're responsible for a lot of like red hardship as well yeah and victor's like yeah if you want to fight back like even against my family like <laughs> yeah. that's you know that's what i would do if yeah. i were you so i think she's less she's like not holding on to her way of life as much as mustang was when she found out mm -hmm. like victor's kind of like well you know like Fuck it, my life's fucked up. Like, might as well not care that you're red, you right. know, because gold suck at this point too. So yeah, and um, I thought that was cool. And this starts a little run of chapters where her and Daryl really develop like a, a real friendship, like a real mutual and respect like family, for each other, family bond. Exactly. They it's like kind of like they train together and all that stuff like that. So we get a lot of development between those two characters coming up. We'll talk about that in the next pods, I'm sure. So, now that we've finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week. Do, 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 do. Where we choose the one character who conquered our Proctor's plot and rose above the rest. Aaron, 
Our Primus of the Week is... Ragnar. Duh, <laughs> always. <laughs> Love also, picking Ragnar. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Ragnar's going to win a lot until he can't win anymore. Because Pierce... Mm. I'm going to just, I'm going to cry on the podcast. Dude, it's weird. Like, I opened Morningstar today to, like, look through the chapters, and I opened it, like, almost to the end, thinking we were, like, to the end. Yeah. I'm like, oh, we just started, and Ragnar is going to die by the end. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, when I was, like, going through the book to plot out, like, each pod and Uh what chapters we do, I, like, skimmed past those chapters, and I was just already just like, oh, that's going to suck. You like found all your old tear stains yeah. on your book. Why does this page look all wavy? The, a page ripped out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, nope, didn't happen. Okay. But Aaron, for why? This week, yeah, why is Ragnar the primus of the week? So Ragnar, as we all know, is the most lovable, most important person in the whole entire world. <laughs> we see in these chapters what's been going on since Darrow's been gone. The children, the Darrow's nieces and nephews, they love Ragnar. They, mm-hmm. like, swarm to him. They climb his legs and, like, scream at him for presents. Mm-hmm. So we kind of learn by that that Ragnar's been accepted fully by these Reds, even though he's, like, a monster. Right. And he's just the gentle giant that all the kids love. He's changed and developed like a lot over this year time period. Yeah. He's much more confident in like being an independent person outside Mm -hmm. of being a slave who kills people. Yeah. We start getting to see his personality a lot more. Mm -hmm. I love the part where he, he has like, he's got the new teeth. And then he's also, he can read now. And so he's yeah. walking Daryl down the hallway, reading him every single sign. It's just, that's so fucking sweet and hilarious. That that moment, that reminded me of my... It's like the cutest goddamn thing. My grandma's boyfriend, who's literally like 92. <laughs> he was telling me how his eyesight is fine. And he read to me all the numbers on the highway while we were driving. And it was really annoying that's after a while. <laughs> so I was like thinking of like... You know, Daryl being like, okay, I get it. You can <laughs> yeah, read. We got like, it. We got it. I believe you, so <laughs> you can stop. Um, also with Ragnar, it kind of in passing, several calls him the shield of Tinos. Mm-hmm. Basically, they imply that with all the rioting and everything, Ragnar descended yeah. and basically got everyone in order and now is, I guess, the people defender just love of him all there. the people. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like a whole story we don't even know. Right. And then also hear Severo say, like, stop throwing me. I'm a terrorist <laughs> warlord, which implies that he's just been throwing Severo, yeah. which is amazing. <laughs> just anytime he's annoying, just picking him up. And throwing him down a hallway. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And then I think the biggest reason or like the main reason that we picked him at all those moments are great. But the main reason we picked him is he kind of has this moment with Darrow where he shows him, you know, what he's really fighting for. Mm-hmm. And he kind of is able to let Darrow make a connection and find himself and him being the Reaper and like what that means to these people. So in this heart to heart moment that Ben's talking about, uh, Ragnar says, and how could you know what they need when you are afraid of them? When you can't even look upon them. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. That was great. 
Um, That's a great bold talk. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, Ragnar is like pointing out a huge insecurity in Darrow and like basically saying like, dude, you need to like get down and dirty and like start talking to these people and stop being afraid of them and afraid of like their expectations of you. So then um, he takes Darrow to see all the injured reds and basically Ragnar is the one who knows what Darrow needs to heal his broken spirit. Mm -hmm. And Ragnar again saves the day. Yeah. He really puts a face to this 465,000 refugees. You know, he like with Vano there, like Darrow's able to see that that's a real person who has suffered and fought for Darrow, lost his legs for this dream that he believes in, like the least that Darrow can do is, you know, give that back to them and not be afraid of being their leader, you know? And um, the quote for today was, forget a man's name and right. he'll forgive you, but remember it and he'll fight for you forever. Right. Like, Darrow starts making those connections and then that's like, he's able to kind of get back into the war. He's like, I'm going to get carved. We need to talk to Mustang. So that gets us moving things forward. Mm-hmm. Gives him a little oomph. Yeah, he's starting to heal himself now after being completely broken down in our last set of chapters and lastly i'll say with ragnar one kind of passing sentence was that ragnar like goes and sits by darrow and it says like ragnar's comfortable in the silence and if you think about like your bestest friends that's like the best friend you could have is ragnar can see that darrow is hurting and and down and lost and he just is willing to just sit with him right and kind of like suffer through it with him yeah that's a that's a best bud right there that's a really good point i like that yeah good call thanks ragnar yeah all right you know what it's time for what are we into this week what are you into this week aaron i'm into the way of kings book one of the stormlight archive by brandon sanderson interesting it is a dense, dense, dense book. Really? So I will say this is, it was really hard to understand what was going on with an audiobook because there's a lot of characters. I think it kind of helps to read and like visually be able to like see whose chapter you're in because mm-hmm. it switches viewpoints a lot. Right. So that was a little hard at first, but now that I'm like towards the end of the first book, I'm uh I know what's going on now so I it's really a good read I might recommend though actually reading it and not listening to it better as a reading book and not at least maybe first time but it's very popular like I said Brandon Sanderson's the author and then the audiobook the narrators are really good there's uh Michael Kramer for like the male point of view characters Mm -hmm. and then for the female point of view characters it's Kate reading so that's kind of cool that they have a woman's voice for the female characters. That is always kind of weird on audiobooks sometimes when they do like when it's a like male's a voice. voice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very good. I don't know how to like explain it, but it's basically it's not a time period. It's like a full of fantasy, like yeah. a whole nother universe. And um there's like, like Middle this, Earth or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. not that. But there's right. like shard plate and shard blades, which is like this armor that makes um these warriors have like superhuman strength, but it's oh, very rare. Cool. Yeah. So like only certain people have them. And the, there's, there's like a ton of history that they refer back to. And you kind of learn while you're reading the book and it's a series. So cool. 
I'm excited to keep reading, but I mean, there's like, I don't know, 47, no, 75 chapters in the first book. It's oh, wow. like huge. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the book I'm reading right now. It's like a thousand pages long. And What's I'm, at, that? I'm at like 500, page 500. And I'm just like, oh my God, I have 500 more pages to go. <laughs> it, it is weird <laughs> listening to a book because you don't know, I don't know how far through I am. Yeah. It says like the time it takes to listen to like it, which is like 24 days or something. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's good. It's called The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Right. And if uh, you're done with this reread, then you should start it. Okay, so that's me. Hey, Ben, what are you into? <laughs> this week, I've got, I'm back to my music recommendations. It's a band called The Nude Party. Nude. The Nude Party. Like naked. Like a naked party. They have an album out that just came out called The Nude Party. and Nude. <laughs> it sounds like you're saying new. The Nude Party. <laughs> nude. <laughs> uh, and this sounds uh, sexual. Not really, no. They're just uh, like a they're rock They're wearing band. plaid. Yeah. So. Just a bunch of rock band guys. They're not nude. Uh, they kind of play like an older style, kind of like 60s, 70s rock style music. But it's really good. It's still modern, but they do like it's kind of like got a, a classic style to it. Really great. Like the most fun I'm having right now in my life is <laughs> singing along to this song called Wild Coyote by them. Or <laughs> recording Howler Pod is what you should have said. I don't think I get any more joy out of anything right now in my life. Than recording Howler Pod. No, than singing <laughs> Coyote when oh, they, the song goes off. Oh, you played that for me. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that is good. Uh, it's really great. So check that out. Uh, the whole album is great. My favorite song right now is Wild Cody, though. So enjoy that one. Great. And that's the Nude Party. Check them out. They howl, right? Yes, there, there's a lot of howling in that. Nice. Yeah. So that's going to take us to Howler Q&A. Questions this, and uh, answers. <laughs> Howler, questions and answers. This question comes from our uh, our friend Howler Forever. That's at Howler Forever. I don't know your name. They don't have their name on the profile. No name. But That's a dope at name, though. I know I Howler wish. Forever has a great Instagram account. You should be following it. Does a lot of really cool Red Rising art. Oh, yeah. That we've reposted art before. One. Yeah, we have uh, reposted. So she is great. I believe it's a she. She. Oh, yeah. She goes, okay. She's from Sweden. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, we need to move <laughs> to Sweden. We're very popular in Sweden. What's apparently. going on with the, the Swedes <laughs> love and red rising? She said, my name is Helene. By the way, I've been to Sweden. Gorgeous. Also, very expensive. <laughs> I bought, like, fries or something and... Couldn't buy anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have her name. It's Howler Forever, and this is Helene. She said, a lot of pe Swedish people seem to be featured in your pod, so why not one more? Welcome, Helene. Hola. I don't know She to asks, say hello in Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's hola. No, no. <laughs> uh, she asks, if you got the opportunity to star in the TV series, which character would you want to play? Ooh, interesting. I know who you're going to say already. You think you know. I do know. You think I'm going to say Mustang. Yes. Do you know who I'm actually going to say? Mustang. Victra. <laughs> because as much as I love Mustang, yeah. I think I'm really more of a Victra. Wow. 
really? personality-wise. What makes you feel that way? First of all, I'm also a badass bitch, <laughs> as Mustang is as well. But Mustang, I think, is more gentle mm. and mm. much smarter than me. Whereas I feel like I'm more vindictive and <laughs> like more of a dirty fighter, like Victra. <laughs> yeah. And I just like see myself if <laughs> like if I'm being honest with myself, I see myself as more of a Victra. Nice. Also, like my husband John is more like a Severo than a Darrow. <laughs> so. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well uh, go with that, you know. Yes. And Victra. I don't know. I've, I she wasn't my favorite on my first reads, but I think this reread, she's she's really like breaking through the cage around my heart that I built for Mustang, and I don't know. She's she's coming up on Mustang for my favorite female character. Nice. So Ben, who would you be this if is not mine? Is obvious. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna say Cassius? It's, uh, yes. You're gonna die. I'm still alive. Okay. Cassius lives. Hashtag Cassius lives. You're going to need a wig with curly hair. <laughs> That's what I want. Because you have very straight hair. I want to be the best looking character in Red Rising. Okay. <laughs> it's very shallow. You want to That's have my a reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and curly gold locks. And I want to be badass at Razor. Well, what about Darrow? Darrow and be like beats him up. Honorable. Yeah. You know, Darrow's fine. Darrow's great. <laughs> Cassius isn't honorable though. He has like fits. he is. He's the most honorable character. No, he like puts it on like like a front, but it's not real honor. It is. <laughs> okay. That's why he helps Darrow in the end. You can be Cassius <laughs> if you want. Well, you can be Victra. This is our can own. I we also can be do our own. <laughs> can I be both? Can I play two characters? And they could just like give me like the res flesh for my face to be both characters. That's my answer. If it's our TV series, I guess we can do whatever we want. We'll just play all the roles. Do you know who I also want to be? Who? Darrow. <laughs> <laughs> I picked a woman, though, because I figured I would be cast as a woman. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably cast you it's as a woman. It's questionable, though. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the question, Helene. If who you guys... Would, yeah, who would you guys be? Would Would Ooh. anyone be, like, a not main character? Because I think if you wanted to be, like, um, Ephraim or something, that would show that you have a much better... More depth of character in you yeah. that you don't want to be like shallow the, as me. You don't want to be the star of the show, <laughs> like I do. <laughs> yes, let us know. Also, if you want to submit a question for Howler Q and A, you can uh, email us howlerpod at gmail dot com or Truth. slide into our DMs. Slide in the DMs. <laughs> All right. What's going on next episode on Howler Pod? Morningstar, chapters 13 to 18. We're not going to skip to Iron Gold. We're just going to keep reading Morningstar, huh? I kind of want to stop reading Morningstar (laughs) because I'm really worried about what's going to happen. I'm not sure that we're going to be able to produce a pod during the middle of this book, but we'll see. I'm just going to be curled in a ball, like naked, (laughs) just crying. Yeah. (laughs) Going to need a lot of tissues for that one. It'll be good. It'll be good. 13 to 18. That's what we're doing? Okay, yeah. Chapters 13 to 18, next episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Etsy, Facebook. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. Thanks, Howlers. 
Omnisphere Lupus. Oh.